Hey everybody, I'm Jody Vance. And I'm George Affleck. And it's time for... We are young, we are free, you and me, I'm fun. Well, maybe not, we're not young, but... You have a reference at the end of the podcast. We'll be talking about young people at the end, but I wanted to kind of give a little juice, give a little little youth. Little little youth teaser. Way to go, George. (laughs) We're going to start with something that is uh, horrifyingly unpopular. Um, No matter what side of the issue you might stand on, um, trying to find some middle ground on what we've been dealing with. What are we, how many podcasts have we done now? We're in year five. This is our 212th in our fifth season. Yeah. And almost every week of Unspun Podcast, we have referenced tent cities, tent encampments, homeless, impoverished, the issues that are a global problem now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and really always have been. There's always been a homeless issue and, and people who are downtrodden and, and living with much, much less. But here in the city of Vancouver, and in particular on the downtown east side, what we have seen happen in this country's um, most impoverished area code is really something yeah i mean i think we've been pretty pretty vocal about uh, the tents that have popped up throughout our city the unwillingness of governments to consider a civil society which is what all we ask is uh, i think most of us the majority is that can we not have a civil society where we're all uh have the same access and uh, the same freedoms and the same abilities to get around and all that stuff and it feels like uh more and more, and I hear, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of pushback on this, that that we're not, everybody's, you know, we're not getting what we want anymore as far as all of us. And you think about the park board and, you know, whether it's bike lanes and you've got tents on the streets and sidewalks, you've got, it's endless. And so a decision was made this week. Six, uh, six people dying a day. Yeah. And, and yeah, a decision was made this week. That's sorry, I cut you off, but that is yeah, the, no. big, the big piece here because it was a year ago almost. It'll be a year in July that Karen Fry, the, the fire chief, said we cannot have tents on sidewalks mm-hmm. lining Hastings Street. It is, it's untenable. It's dangerous. It's a fire hazard. We've seen the fires happen um, mm-hmm. almost daily now. Uh, so Ken Sim, the, the mayor of Vancouver, put out the word and within hours, really, or did he yeah. put out the word? He put out the word really after <laughs> well, it was leaked, somebody, right? Somebody leaked the word that this was happening, that there were conversations happening at City Hall. Obviously, ABC has a massive majority in Vancouver, uh, so that makes it easier to make decisions. Uh, yeah. Vision had the same power for a long time. Their decisions were, obviously, we, we, don't, we saw the repercussions of their decisions. Uh, p- part of their decisions is what we see in the downtown east side now. They ended um, homelessness, although, George. It's over. Yeah, that's right. Congratulations, Gregor, you did it. Um, so, yeah, so I think somebody or some organization leaked uh, internal documents that said the city was going to be moving to aggressively towards removing these uh, this uh, these tents on the sidewalk. As you know, before the election, you and I were talking about this, and there was a, there was a there were staff were working hard. It appeared to be a Kennedy Stewart initiative to get him reelected by getting those tents off there. He saw the opportunity. Um, they didn't succeed actually in getting those tents off by by uh, the election, but they did a, make a big dent in it. They they helped a lot of people move into facilities and have places to live. Um, With help from the province. 
with help from the province and private sector because, and, and churches and all it had organizations. To. Yeah, it's well, going to take know. everybody. Yeah. yeah, of course, of course. Uh, from what I've understand from the my connections and talking to some people is that the, the the people that were left there now that have stayed are are unwilling to even realloc re relocate to facilities that they're being offered. They are uh, holed up in this area for whatever reasons, be it political or maybe they just maybe they prefer it, maybe they feel safer. There are many reasons why people uh, live in tents in our city. Um, so uh, staff, uh, I think, re re recommended to the council, uh, obviously in a probably a private in-camera meeting, saying uh, it's time to end this. And uh, that got out. Uh, they had I don't think there's a timeline for it, but it got out earlier this week. And so the city moved swiftly in just yesterday. And if you saw the images, it was it was quite surprisingly aggressive in its individuals that we saw the removal of these of this encampment along our I'm going to jump in there because as you're saying that I'm re I'm reminiscing if if that's mm -hmm. the right word I'm recalling uh, last fall uh late last summer when the prior administration as you referenced um thought to hear the 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 demands of the electorate uh, for lack of a better way of putting it that it it's it's a war zone on on Hastings Street and people mm -hmm. who actually live down there are scared like this isn't just about we should not have this in our city. It's about people who live there and and rent places or own places yeah. or do business there who no longer feel safe because it yeah. has become um, dystopian. Is that the right word? Uh, it's like it's it's like going to another plane. It's not. It's yeah. it's untenable. It's, it's untenable. It's beyond so, Thunderdome. But but it's beyond Thunderdome. But what happened um, under Mayor Stewart was very um adversarial and became you know there were shots fired it was it was terrifying what i see differently um in this latest attempt to remedy what is happening a billion dollars a year plus for the taxpayer mm -hmm. and the on the downtown east side money aside but it's clearly not fixing it but what i saw was this is happening it started boom first thing in the morning line of police officers garbage truck bylaws op officers and coming through and just like okay take here's your recycle bin put your belongings in that you can take that to go everything else is going in the in the bin and it was quite like i don't want to say alarming it was quite um impactful uh, yeah, to see okay. what, what wasn't it to see like yeah. this belongings oh and i got dms from dm people you know i have friends on both sides of the political spectrum and uh, there are people who are very angry at what they saw. Um, but again, I think uh, it will come out, and it's clearly the case because you see uh, some of the people speaking publicly saying that they're just unwilling. They don't want to move anywhere else. They don't want. Right. They don't trust the system or whatever it is. I don't know. Tell me what your DMs were. I'm interested. Get without angry. naming names, obviously. There, but... there were people that were saying high five, and then there was people that were saying, "Who do I talk to at City Hall to to to?" say what i've how 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 upset i am at them being so aggressive this is you know they use like fascistic and things like that authoritarian totalitarian all those kinds of terminologies and and uh so from my from my point of view and i hope they listen to the podcast because i feel like uh in my conversations with people that i know uh in, in the past six months when they started this process or eight months 
there's been a real commitment by staff to be as gentle as possible. While there was that anomaly that one day where police and there seemed to be some confusion about what was going on. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's some political um, component to it. There's an election campaign happening. Uh, obviously. You know, I think that they have, they go out there, they've been down there inventorying people. If they hadn't got, didn't have a place to live, they would inventory their stuff. Or if they had a place that they could get them into a shelter, they would take their stuff. They were in for, in, creating inventory of them, saying, we're not going to throw away your stuff. And so at this point, all the people left and, and seeing, but that's what I was curious to see and find, find out more is when we saw that kind of dump truck stuff. But I think a lot of those tents were just empty too. I think when they went in there, they said, hey, and there's nobody in them. And so if there's nobody there and they're full of what is most garbage, garbage um, yeah. that's garbage is garbage. And these are our sidewalks, all of our sidewalks, not yours and mine, everybody's sidewalks. And we need to get around in our city. And as I said yeah. earlier, we need to uphold a, a civil society it's it's this it's this movement to not to, to to be lackadaisical about upholding a civil society if you start letting things fall it's just like the whole broken windows and all that stuff yeah if you if things start to slip i'm not saying being fascist i'm just saying it's the little things that start to eat away at our civil society and our and our our surroundings and and that's not to say that these people should be thrown into whatever they, they they need to be helped, and we are not doing a good enough job at that. That's for sure. Whether it be mental health care, housing, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, we're just failing poverty. So many people poverty. just poverty yeah, because the the billion dollars a year. It used to be three hundred and sixty five yeah. million. Remember when we would talk about it being a million dollars a day? Yeah, million dollars. Um, but now it's over a billion dollars a year to have nothing improve. Like really, somebody somewhere is making money off this. Somebody yeah. is. We don't, I'm just putting that yeah. out there. Like, no, it is. Yeah. But wait, I've got a point to make because there are yeah. two things that I think are really important here because I'm not in the politics. I don't get DMs from people saying, how do I make change? You've lived it. You've watched how difficult this process is. The, the pillars that we've talked about so many times, like you mm -hmm. have to do all of these things at once in order to make it, but nobody ever gets to one of them because all of them are never ready because there's mm -hmm. never the housing and the mental health and, and addiction supports that are needed or, you know, there's a whole, and there are people who are just like, I don't want your help. I'm fine. I'm going to live here. And I saw one woman on CBC on the national um, saying, you know, how would you like it if somebody came to your home and, you know, took from you your stuff and threw it away and, and kicked you out of your home. And I'm thinking to myself, Okay, sorry, you're living in a tent on a sidewalk. That mm -hmm. is not a home. Have we normalized well, the well, residents? Well, and the word terminology, the, re the word resident, I found me curious. I saw re reporters re referring to the people, I think it was at Crab Park, which is a it is an entrenched encampment because uh, a judge made the wise decision last uh, year, a year and a half ago, to yeah. basically allow it to stay there forever. And I don't know if you guys, if anybody has a chance, go by there check it out it's, it's horrific it's uh, uh it's no it's way to live it's, it's no terrible. way to live it's terrible yeah. and making that decision by a judge uh terrible decision because he's putting the people's lives in danger for what was his reasoning i don't know it's it's anyway so th in this case yeah so they but they refer to these people you know that are living down there uh residents of this encampment and to me that's they're homeless and they're not residents they're homeless people that have no homes <laughs> the, if yeah. you have a home you you, you have a residency, you have your residence of something. Uh, so so let's talk about the, curious. Let's talk about the people who actually do have homes on the downtown east side. Cause I also saw a woman 
who was speaking to reporters, the CBC reporter, because that's where I happened to, to watch it. And I, I really, I this woman resonated with me because, you know, all too often we have opinions mm-hmm. and having never walked in the shoes of, right? There are people that tell you what you should or should not want in your neighborhood, wherever your neighborhood might be. And here's this woman talking about her neighborhood, which happens to be East Hastings Street. Uh, on the downtown east side, right in the middle of that encampment, in the middle of that tent city on sidewalks, the mm-hmm. the chaos of it all. And she said, I'm harassed or attacked. I feel unsafe multiple times a day. Every time I come and go from my place that I rent here, right. I don't feel safe because of this, because of what yeah. has become of this street. And that's the thing that really lands with me. She's mm-hmm. the person we need to be doing this for, not because mm-hmm. it doesn't look good on the city or the cruise ship people aren't going to like it when they go through Gastown or yeah. whatever those things might be, because all of that can be true at the same time. But the reason for fixing this should be the wellness of the impoverished and mm-hmm. the people who live in the community that are now really at at huge risk, not just yeah. physical risk Threatens. from crime and mm-hmm. threats, but also fire. We see fire almost yeah. daily down there. That's why it's interesting that this was driven by the fire department, not the police department or the or the politicians. Very, very astute move, I'd say, that on, in, you know, right. in this situation. He gave the ability to, say, really focus on the, the risks. And then the police, of course, brought their data. Uh, and so the politicians had to make the obvious decision that this was not safe and we have to be take care of our, our the people of our city, the residents of our yeah. city, we can talk about. Yeah. But, you know, the, uh, these people have are homeless living in our city and we need to help them where, where they came from, how they got here. What, what can we do to help them? We have a housing shortage. And they, simultaneously, by the way, uh, just across the town, there's like, the you know, the, the premier and everybody they are talking about housing and, and homelessness at the convention. Um, and, uh, you know, the data is uh, insane. We have in BC about 80,000 people moving here every month. Every year, every month, um, every month, every oh, year. I was say. Yeah, yeah, every year, and then pushing probably a hundred thousand in, in the next couple of years. Um, a million four. And what's our shortage? Canada. Yeah, we're yeah. and we're and you know that we've talked about this. The the homelessness count in Canada is around fifty thousand. There are fifty thousand houses that weren't built when decisions were made in the early nineties about about the social housing programs that existed back then that were canceled. Those yeah. housing, the housing is not being built, and there we have the math is simple. So how how quickly can we build fifty thousand units across Canada, and easily ten thousand in the Metro Vancouver area, if not more, immediately as of yesterday? It's just it's insane numbers, uh, and that's just for the homeless people. Now we have also I look at my kids who are paying ridiculous amounts of rent for these basement suites and things, and it's like great they got a place, but two thousand dollars for a literally a 200 300 square foot basement suite that ceilings my son's head hits i mean it's this is no. and he's happy that he's, used to be a mortgage two thousand dollars a yeah. month used to be a a, a steep mortgage oh, well, yeah that was a big mortgage right right mm-hmm. and here we are oh. now where a 400 you know the 400 square foot studio apartment is that yeah, you know in a basement, in a basement in a basement you can't you can't get a studio apartment for under a thousand you know no, no. nothing yeah. And that's not it's just Vancouver. That's across the region. And I'm not, that's and everywhere I'm across Canada. So I mean, yeah. I think it's just we're so we're so messed up. And politicians, having been a politician, and I talk about this, there has to, we proved that we could come together with COVID and get yeah. things done quickly. That and I've talked about this. You and I've talked about this. There, 
needs to be an, an, an international initiative to solve yeah, the three the major crises, the, the drug addiction, yeah. uh, homelessness and housing and, and uh, uh, you know, and mental health care. These are three the, things that are, every you, Western civilized you know, country is facing and, and, and they've neglected it for too long. And when you talk about those things, we have the ability to do those things if we re-channeled the billion a year that is flowing into the downtown east side and getting no better what would a billion dollars look like if it was put into you know we've talked about other jurisdictions san francisco i believe it was that did the temporary permanent tent situation yeah. where they had showers oh, yeah, and bathrooms yeah. and mental health supports and addiction supports and you could bring your pet and you could bring your stuff and you're living outside but inside covered there's a place to get warm there's a place to get water there's a place to get mm -hmm. food there are rules around it though too you're not using it as a chop shop you're not going and stealing from people and bringing it back here and figuring it out and then selling it over there like <laughs> there's there's rules around you know which and, and everybody which has does to eliminate it. Yeah, it, right. But it does eliminate a thing. group of people that are, but there's right. space, there's space yes. in this city to well, find a region and, for sure. In the region. region. Why does yeah. Vancouver have to do all? We don't, there's a, it's a big region with lots of pockets of places to put modular yeah. homes. The ones that we've built a ton of in Vancouver. Uh, I think there are almost a thousand units that we've built in Vancouver. And they're great. The last, yeah. They're temporary. They say, yeah. Uh, but you gotta say. be careful. You don't want to put them all because you don't want to ghettoize the situation either. That's what happens. No, 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 no. So you well, know, no, our yeah. our children's children will end up renting them for five thousand dollars a month. Let's oh, talk no. about let's talk about budgets. I, I that the horrible joke and only kind of kidding because things, as we well know, things that are temporary often become permanent. Um, but budget review wise, oh, before that. With regard to Mayor Ken Sim, on what happened on the downtown east side, the one thing that I found really um, interesting and, and perhaps mm -hmm. the, I'm not going to say the error because I wouldn't want to be the mayor with this problem. Um, when he was pressed by Mike Smith uh, yesterday on Wednesday, uh, while the downtown east side sweep was, was underway, Mike said, you know, how many shelter spaces are there? And, and the mayor kind of pivoted on the first time he asked the question and Mike being Mike, he, re he reiterated again, I don't think you heard me. Um, can you answer this question? And the mayor didn't, didn't really know that number. And it, mm -hmm. to me, it felt like maybe there could have been a plan that wasn't just on the mayor's shoulders, but could have been, you know, how long has this been an issue? Could, could we not have come up with something that isn't, let's take that old Howard Johnson hotel and just plug a bunch <laughs> of people in there. Right. Johnson, that, yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, and in fact, the number is if you the numbers are crazy because they're actually less uh, sort of units than there were 20 years ago for uh, like that, because we've lost so many SROs, which are horrible, uh, horrible places, but they were units. So they're actually we're, we're stagnant as far as numbers of units uh, for the, over the long term in, in this city. Right. Uh, there's other kinds of things. But yeah, it's not having that answer, not being able to pull that kind of data off. You know, that's you got to be ready for that stuff, especially when you're about to go down and clean it up a bunch of tents and yeah even if those 80 people or 80 tents or whatever those people all of them even if all of them were like we're not going anywhere you should still know that number if he could have said there's 80 people that we've got to remove 80 tents they've they've said they 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 really don't want to move i can tell you right now across the region we have blank blank many uh short-term places they can go and they they, they yeah. don't seem to be willing and no. uh we we have to solve this problem 
80 people versus the 600,000 people that live in the city. How, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, but he's taking the heat for it and um, good for him. Good for him for yeah. doing it. Hey, he has definitely used his majority to move the ball downfield. On that, I mean, this week for sure. Not so much in the budget, though. <laughs> right? That one stings. It does sting because he did promise to not go above he a certain did, number. So and then he, he did go above the number. And now where he's going to review it all, he's going to have an independent well, review. He's, not, of, yeah. he's got a task force, which is yeah. a classic vision move task force. Um, the uh, So, you know, outside City Hall, donated time by a bunch of people in the community who have specializations will look at the budget and come back with some recommendations in a task force a report. Uh, and then the city itself, the councillors and the mayor can go through it. Uh, staff will go through it as well uh, and make recommendations specifically yeah. to the to the budget, hopefully for this year. These task force, they take a long time. Uh, yeah, but you know what? You and I have been screaming for a, 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 an open budget look yeah. line by line. You know, at least it's something, even if it's symbolic analysis of some form, go, let's go. I want to see, I want to see where we're spending money that we do not need to spend right now to relieve some of the pressure on taxpayers in Vancouver, in the city of Vancouver, who seem to be bearing uh, a great weight right now uh, and a burden that is only growing with the, with the debt on top yeah. of it all. Let's talk about another jurisdiction because we often get asked, why do you guys always spend so much time talking about the city of Vancouver? Because it gets so messed up. Um, Surrey. Yeah. Surrey Police Services, RCMP, the decision's still not made by Mike Farnworth and waiting for the province to I'm make curious. an announcement. It's very, very odd. Mm. And yet the Metro Vancouver mayors have sort of waded into this, or at least we thought that there was a unanimous motion or a motion and that was unanimously voted upon for in favor of the RCMP, according to Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke. And in fact, it has come to light just in the last uh, hour or so that mm -hmm. the unanimous motion wasn't about uh, support of the RCMP, but support of making a decision. Come on. Come oh, on. Okay. <laughs> well, that's right? like, uh, okay. I mean, it's true. Make Make a decision. Somebody get this done. It's, it, Surrey's budget this week, they locked it in at 12.5%. They managed to bring it down from, I think it was 17 originally, percent yeah. of the poor Surrey taxpayers. They're paying for two police forces, which maybe they need. Maybe they need to. Uh, and if that's the case, then budget for it. But uh, this is such limbo Crazy. hell for for this poor council in Surrey. Um, they don't, they got elected on, the, on a platform saying to get rid of it, but the previous guy got elected, you know, for it. So I'm sure Mike Farmworth is has this dilemma because he also wants to think about the political future of the uh, NDP in Surrey, a very swing. How do you bust riding. the How do you bust the union though? Surrey Police Services is a union. You're NDP. You don't bust a union. They're expensive, right? RCMP. Well, Vancouver I, needs 100 police, so bring them on over. <laughs> I don't know. But those people, those people don't get to be told where they have to work, right? Yeah. And the and the RCMP are stretched then throughout the province. And and honest to God. If, if it were up to me, if I had the magic wand, I'd be like, put it to a new vote. Ask the people of Surrey. Put it to a vote. Ask yeah. the people. People will be heard. Done. Because this is so messy. Because McCallum got voted in on two things. One of which was a municipal police service. Mm -hmm. And then Brenda Locke runs on going back to the RCMP and wins. So mm -hmm. I, I see when Mike Farnworth is like, I don't know. 
sponsor. And we really well, he need knows Surrey. that the, the community needs Surrey. split. The, he yeah. needs Surrey. The community split on the issue. A lot yeah. of people don't have a lot of faith in the RCMP anymore. Obviously, from what last week when we talked about what happened in the Maritimes and Atlantic Canada and how, you know, that, that, you know, so there's a lot of disruption regarding the RCMP and maybe its role, you know, maybe That's we should start looking at, uh, yeah, a police, a regional yeah. police force or uh, citywide, pretty, you know, this is a question that, uh, you know, the mayors should be saying, maybe we should have a regional police force. Maybe Vancouver police should be a regional police force and we should get the, rid of the RCMP altogether yeah. in that region. Uh, you know, we have Port Moody, we have Abbotsford police, we have uh, Delta police. Um, right. You know, why not? What do you why... think got us here? What what got us here? Like, why do you Theocracy? think <laughs> Brenda Locke, but does oh, Brenda I Locke see. just want to be the anti-Doug McCallum? Was that what she was doing? Or was, I, is there I, something concrete that, concrete that she has put forward? No, to say? I, I, I said this before, right after that election, I thought mm, that was a bit... Um, on election night after she won to simply say she was getting rid of the uh, right away. I thought, Ooh, cause she didn't campaign that hard on that issue saying, absolutely. I'm getting rid of it. Right. She didn't. And then on election night after she won, get rid of it. And, and I'm like, Oh God, yeah. that's going to be complicated because of course everybody gets their backs up instead of saying, and there's a situation where I'm going to go in there. I'm going to see what's going on and get to the, the root of the problem here. Right. Um, and talk to the residents of the city once we've, you know, that's kind of what she won the election. So you can kind of, you didn't have to stick, you can stop campaigning now, uh, but she threw right. it out there. It was like, her, oh, it was her no. accepted speech where she yeah, did it. Right. It Cause was. I was watching and, you on CTV. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, was I think like, that was, and even uh, Diane Watts, who's my co uh, person on that uh, panel that night, she was like, Whoa, okay. Um, yeah. You know, she thinks that there could be two police forces. That could be something that could work. One focused on, you know, you know, RCB being more of a big crime kind of stuff and and patrols and, you know, or, and their local police doing the street stuff. I, you know, I don't know. There's like, when you think about policing, I think the stuff I want more of, I want more, I don't want to say boots on the ground because it sounds so fascistic, but, you know, I want to, if you have police without but them they're not working together, you know, they're not around. ever working together. One yeah, goes through Ottawa and one I know. goes that's the problem. super local. Like that's, so yeah, then how do you do it? It yeah. is a problem. It, yeah. You know what? We will talk about it again, I'm sure. Hopefully, maybe they're going to bury it on a Friday. Maybe maybe Good Friday is the day that Mike Farnworth decides he's going to make the decision on this and hope people just <laughs> hear about it slowly. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, private health care. Is it dead in Canada? Yeah, the Supreme Court just today said, that's enough. I don't want to hear from you guys. No more coming back with other... You know, just, we're not going to hear this this case anymore. They basically have shut down anybody who wants to come. Uh, and try and uh, fight the decision that it's made a few times. So they've basically said no more. There's no private health care in Canada. Public health care is the way it goes. The Supreme Court has made that decision. It's embedded in our constitution. It's embedded, embedded, embedded. So, you know, there are a lot of people, certainly in British Columbia and Ontario, that are of of the view that a mixed system works better. Places like Mm. Britain have it. Obviously, the United States has it, kind of. so, you know, universal health care uh, has its challenges. As we know, we're facing a lot of challenges here in BC. Not enough doctors, not enough nurses, not enough, 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 enough. Um, you know, but coming up with solutions is the key because you're not getting your private health care. So governments, right. figure it out. One of the things that I did like this week that I saw, um, and, you know, kudos to Health Minister Adrian Dix for getting it done with the with the nurses um, the the new legislation that will require a nurse to patient ratio set at a certain level 
which I think will give, I hope will give some relief to nurses, Mm -hmm. but also like to retain and attract nurses to know that they won't be left, you know, alone (laughs) trying to manage a patient load that's untenable. And also the patient experience, like it's good to see that it's a little bit, I hate to say that the patient and the nurse, because I'm a patient, we'll need nurses at some point, uh, Mm -hmm. if not right now, Um, but from the bottom up, right? Like instead of trying to figure out a way to fix up here so that the end result is better, is to say what, if you go to the hospital right now, you will be guaranteed to not ring a bell and not get a nurse. If you're in distress, there, there will be a nurse there because there are a certain number of nurses Mm -hmm. per patient that is mandated in British Columbia. I think we're leading the way in some of these lessons, as you were pointing out, George, about lessons we learned through the pandemic, the silver linings. This is another one. I mean, we, the progress we've made in healthcare in not not sure across North America and around the world, because we had to start doing things differently. We realized, Oh my God, why is it that we have to have this doctors doing this and nurses doing that? And, and uh, we need to speed up the process and and we need to find to get staffing challenges. And we lost a lot of people because of uh, COVID. A lot of them got tired out and they just kind of retired early or whatever. So we're seeing solutions really? quickly. Pharmacists, nurses, nurse practitioners. Pharmacists and pharmacists and physicians used to bat heads. Yeah. Now they're doing this. Yeah, starting it was to a real together. dilemma, I think, for, for Adrian Dix and that, that department because they take care of both of them. And you want to make sure that, uh, you know, so yeah, it's great to see this progress and see that you can get things done. Uh, it's too bad it took a pandemic to get the to move the needle. So amen, amen mm-hmm. to that. Really, we talk about Trump. No Trump today. Time. Trump oh, we got to talk about we got to talk about Trump right now, real quick. Uh, um, unprecedented times. What do you think? Oh my goodness, what a, what an interesting. Uh, I spent the day at home, of course, watching it like uh, like the O.J. Simpson. Uh, uh, if you're old enough to remember that moment in ridiculous time is white Bronco. Yeah, well, I was Bronco. in the newsroom at CBC and we sat there all day watching this stupid Bronco driving down the highway. Um, so, yeah, I know. I mean, this guy, what, five seconds of TV time he got in the morning with the, or in the afternoon. Uh, we sat there and it was all just basically, you know, pundits talking about stuff. But it, it's that door. I yelled. I was like, oh, when the, when the, when the dude walks through the door and doesn't hold it for him. And that I kind of talk about it. I was like that. Right. That's and did you see everything. Time Magazine? Time Magazine? No. It's like his thumb, it's like his fingerprint, but it, all the oh, lines yeah. of the fingerprint are all orange because he's orange. And then the the center round, clear spot of the fingerprint is the top and bottom look like a row of teeth. And so you can totally tell it's Donald Trump. It's, oh my God. And then on the bottom in small type, it says unprecedented. And then the New Yorker just has, uh, for the first time in the New Yorker, uh, history it has a courtroom sketch as its front page really first time uh, yeah as a front cover first time wow um yep yeah, it's it's really and then he did a speech watch. you watched a bit of it i i couldn't but i did the, the amount did. of that his his rally uh he he was deflated himself it was you know it was just rambling do you want me to do, do, me to do a little bit of a speech sure russia 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 her emails, his laptop, the Biden crime family, um, just witch hunt. It was all he was pulling out the favorites. I think I, I think kind of like kind of like casually kind of just he wasn't. That no, but some, I think that the people the watching are like, there. is this is this? Are you just that one trick pony? And George, he admitted he lost for the first time. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my gosh. 
Yeah, and he said, and then he's been saying, yeah, he, he must have been very tired that day. <laughs> it was something. It was something. That to is watch. a big deal. It was that a big deal there forever. And then CNN bailed on the speech. Uh, they bailed because yeah. he started to go in on uh, how if he had been president, there the war in Ukraine would never have happened. The the Russian invasion of Ukraine would never have happened. And CNN was like, "That's Donald Trump. We're done there. Let's just bring it back to the newsroom." Yeah. We'll talk about what he's talking about and do whatever. Oh uh, however, in Wisconsin, that's and right. In Chicago, the good, there were the good news or the other side of the story. coin. So great. Um, in the judicial side of things, a Democratic judge was elected in Wisconsin that tips the scales towards a more liberal, a Democratic uh, court. You know, it, the court system happens really very differently in the United mm -hmm. States and it does here in Canada, as you well know, George, but just for our listeners sake, this is huge because we've seen the waiting of the courts, the quiet, like while we were all chasing, well, we, while the, the populace of the United States was all sort of chasing down whatever sparkly thing Donald Trump was throwing up in the air while he was president, quietly, yeah. he was stacking courts with conservative judges, which is kind of what led to the Roe versus Wade being overturned and then it becoming a state issue. And so this judge in Wisconsin is going to have a big impact on that state. And the reason why that judge was elected because the youth vote came out, George, yeah. like the young people. To me, right. that's that's the key here because I don't want to get anybody all their backs up about us, you know, that we're saying, oh, yay, Democrats or something. It's more, to me, that's the more important thing. It's, it's good to have a good balance their whole judicial system is so weird down there and the fact that it judges is. are voted in and sheriffs are voted in and it's very strange but uh the fact that this youth vote showed up that's you know for, what, a, what a concept you know usually as you know as we've talked about so that percentage is usually less than 20 percent of young people under 20 show up it's changing um, and, it, and you if, want to know if why they show up if they show up things change big time because of course they lean to the left and you know why i'm okay with being a left-leaning moderate because it has to do with women's reproductive rights and women's rights are human rights. And the right, the, the conservative religious right is trying to remove the rights of women to have body autonomy. And mm -hmm. I will lay myself at the feet of the democratic side of this spectrum in the name, because I cannot, I no longer have my, I got, I got dust bunnies in my ovaries, man. <laughs> I, this does not affect me, but I, absolutely uh, think the TMI that the but the but the intolerance well i'm 55 years old i'm not having I babies. i'm certainly not i'm not gonna need i can still do abortion it anytime. you can <laughs> you're the mick jagger of kids yeah. but i'm telling Actually, you I like can't. when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to roe versus wade that's where the conservatives really lost the plot in the united states for so there are too many women in this world to be doing that and then you talk about the young people that are going to be looking at one another they're having conversations about climate change and about roe versus wade mm -hmm. and about you know that political spectrum and it's everything's gotten so out of whack that the focus is on drag queen story time i mean please let's <laughs> dial it back to human rights and the right if the conservative party and we put GOP, some energy into homelessness please, please. and po and poverty and drug addiction addiction and yes. mental health care as opposed yeah. to drag queen story time or arguing and, with and decisions that were made 50 years ago that were good decisions right. that were being reversed and all that money and energy Ugh. all that money and energy Come on. time to go george what's your twitter handle you're at george underscore
Affleck. I am at Jody Vance, Jody with a Y, at Jody Vance on Twitter and on Instagram. You're on TikTok as well. Yes, Are you that's just right. George? George Affleck. I got that one. And actually, uh, that's my Instagram too, I think. Uh, it's only Twitter I didn't get my name. That's okay. I kind of like you as underscore. It takes, it's takes me nickname. back. I'm you nostalgic. And, and Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Jordan. I wonder if he still watches. <laughs> of course he does. Probably. Yeah. Uh, unspunpodcast.com. Like and subscribe. Share with your friends. We're a podcast. We're also on video. Unspunpodcast.com. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye. Bye.